1: welcome everyone to a very very special edition of aew unrestricted the official podcast of all elite wrestling my name is tony Shimani and this is aubrey edwards my longtime close personal friend how are you aubrey
0: i'm doing great thanks tony you always sound like an announcer do you ever turn that off
1: uh, yes, I do. As you do? a matter of fact, yes. Mm. A, a lot, as a matter of fact. I, I say it's a very, very special episode because we are very, very pleased to have with us Amanda Huber, John Huber's wife. And of course, anyone who worked with Brody and worked with uh, John across uh, his path loved this man. Uh, it was a, a horrible day for not only professional wrestling and wrestlers, but for those of us who knew him personally behind behind the scenes. It was a terrible day. And. Amanda, thanks for being with us. I know it's a tough time for you and your family.
2: No problem. You also forgot to mention, I am the mother to negative one. <laughs> you That's are true. the
1: mother to negative one. Can't I can't
0: forget. That ben is, Jr. Some, not all heroes wear capes. <laughs> no, I don't exactly. know how she
1: contains that boy, but... Uh, Actually. I
0: don't. I don't. We, <laughs> just a,
1: a little story. I had a chance, which I was very, very excited about doing, going to Disney with you yes! and the boys saw and, the and Cody and Brandy. It was and a great day. It was a great day. Super,
2: super fun for Brody's birthday. Right. And a really fun day. It was honestly the first all fun day I've had in a very, very long time.
1: So. Yeah, and he's uh, he's quite to keep up with, isn't
2: he? <laughs> he's got a lot of energy. Yeah. He is just 24-7 all wrestling. Right. and But he's he's a happy kid, so I, can't complain.
0: I heard on the production meeting call earlier he's already given out like 20 dark chokes today. He he may have only that's a low for him.
2: That's I mean, we've only been here like an hour.
0: Wait till 3 (laughs) a.m. We'll check with Marco then.
2: (laughs) Exactly. Has he seen Marco yet?
0: I don't know if Marco's landed. We should warn Marco. Mm. He knows.
1: It it was it was a great day to be be with Disney and uh, and be with your family. And and I know there's there's a lot of uh, terrible things that have happened to you and your family since this time. And uh, it it shocked all of us. We had just finished doing a podcast with him. Yeah, yep. and, and then that's kind of when he, when he got sick. Yeah. Right.
2: So part of the reason I wanted to sit with you guys and talk to you guys is because I wanted to clarify the timeline. Cause there's been a lot of questions. Um, and I just didn't want to keep doing it through Instagram. My Instagram has been private for my entire life. Sure. Um, we went public with it to announce his passing. Right. <laughs> because I didn't want it to be a dirt sheet thing that it came out. I wanted it to come directly from me. Right. Um, So it was a little nerve-wracking to do that, Sure, uh, and I know it came to a surprise a lot of people because we kept it very quiet. Yes, Um, absolutely. My husband was a very private person. He was a public figure, but a very, very private man. Right. Did not love the fame aspect of wrestling, Mm -hmm. loved performing, loved being a professional wrestler, but was not the type of guy who wanted to be recognized out in public. He was always very gracious when he was, but that wasn't him. Right. So um, I want to just clear, clarify some of the timeline and answer some questions that a lot of people have okay. about what happened.
0: Right. So so I think if we want to start then like kind of what did happen because yeah. I know we had the podcast with him and right. I remember specifically like first time we actually got a chance to sit down and talk extensively like he was a big Peloton guy. Yes. And I'm, I'm a big Peloton person. I just got my 30 day achievement. I'm real excited oh. about it. Um, but he had said in the podcast that it was the first time he had actually quit a ride. midway, And I didn't put much thought into it at the time, but that was sort of the beginning of things.
2: Yeah, so we I had been out of town. I was visiting actually friends of mine who actually joined us at Disney. They were the people who flew down, dropped everything in their lives to be with my kids. Right. Um, But we'll get to kind of that section of the story in a minute. Sure. But uh, I had been in Ohio visiting them, got home with Brody, and... Monday came along and he's like, I've got this podcast tonight. You got to leave me alone. I got to have dinner. <laughs> th- just keep the kids quiet. And I was like, you guys have met my kids. It's- oh, it's yeah. It's not an easy feat to that- keep them okay. quiet. Yeah.
0: Knowing that now and looking at the- listening to that podcast back, the fact there was no children or animals in the background, yeah. Yeah. that is a feat.
2: That is a feat in my house. But he went in the garage. We have our Peloton in the garage. He came out, I came in. He's like, I quit my ride. And I was like, that's not like you because he's always like making fun of me and I'd be doing my Peloton rides. I'm like, oh, that was awful. And he's like, oh, come on, you pussy. Like, you can do better. <laughs> you know, he's always giving me a hard time right. just who he
0: was. That's very much him.
2: Yeah, 100%. And he had never quit a, quit a ride before. He'd come in and just be completely head-to-toe soaked, but never quit. So he came in and he goes, I just quit my ride out there. I'm like, you okay? And he's like, yeah, I just feel like I can't catch my breath. So I have been COVID paranoid, and I whipped out my thermometer. And he's like, no fever. I'm like, huh. That's weird. I was like, we're going to keep an eye on this. Mm -hmm. I was like, can you smell? And I like handed him a candle and I was like, can you smell this? And -hmm. started going through all that.
0: Can you still taste things? Do you have chills? Like running through all the symptoms that we all know forward and backward now.
2: Exactly. So I was like, okay. So uh, we had dinner. He recorded the podcast. Everything was normal. Tuesday, he tried to go do his workout, did his workout, tried to do a Peloton ride. I came in the house and he's like, I don't know what the hell's going on. I, I can't get this Peloton ride in. I was like. Let me check your temperature again. He, he's like, I don't have a fever. I don't know what's going on. So he had, he would typically drive to Jacksonville on Tuesday nights. Right. Um, so he could check in, be here. And then, like everybody said, he would wrestle. And then Thursdays, he would drive home at like 3, 4 in the morning just to be home. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, stay another night. Enjoy it. Like, get a rest without kids around. Right. He's like, no, no, no. I want to be home. Sure. So he would come home. So he drove uh, Tuesday night, drove up to... Jacksonville spent the night and went. Got COVID tested here through AEW mm-hmm. and actually tested negative here at AEW. And Doc Sampson was like, Hey, look, I don't trust this. I know you don't feel good. I don't feel safe letting you in the bubble. Go home, come back next week. So he texted me, he's like, oh, I'm going to come home. So he drove home Wednesday, uh, went to go get COVID tested, and he got home right at five when COVID tested ended. So I quarantined him to our bedroom, and I slept in the guest room just on the off chance that he was starting COVID. Right. I uh, started with a fever, super high fever. Um, had a fever Thursday, Friday. Um, Thursday went and got the nasal swab. Super high fever, just did not feel good. And so I kept him away from the kids, and I would wear a mask anytime I went into the bedroom. I was keeping him hydrated, and he wasn't eating, was drinking but just not eating. hmm so Friday, went to urgent care, and they diagnosed him with bronchitis and allergies.
0: It's a nice combo. Yeah. Mm.
2: And we were like, that's not what this is. Sure. He's like, my lungs just... He's like, I, I feel like I have an ammonia. And so I was like, tell them that. He's like, no, they said it's bronchitis.
0: <laughs> he's like, that's not Doctors bronchitis. are only going to tell you what you have if you tell them what you're feeling. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and so they gave him an oral antibiotic, an oral steroid. Um, and allergy medicine. So I went Friday night, got that prescription. Saturday was the same deal. It was just not eating. He hadn't eaten for several days, but he was drinking. I told him, as soon as you stop drinking, you're in the hospital. As soon as your fever goes above 103, you're going to the hospital. This fever would tap out at uh, 102.9. And I was furious. He was like, are you kidding me? You need to go to the hospital. He's like, you said 103. I was like, god damn it. Um, So Sunday... He had finally eaten, and I was like, okay, because I was trying to get him to the hospital Saturday. And he's like, no, no, I want 24 hours on this antibiotic. So, okay, fine. So Sunday just was awful. He had, his face looked sunken in, and I was like, you need to go to the hospital. Like, I'm done with this. Like, mm-hmm. I'm done. Sure. He argued with me, and I said, okay, you've got an hour to make a miracle recovery. I'm gonna make <laughs> some phone calls, get somebody to come watch the kids. Right. You're going to the hospital. Sure. So a friend of mine came over to watch the kids go down the street to the hospital and he walked into the hospital
1: mm-hmm.
2: and he was using my shoulder to kind of brace himself, but not putting pressure on me, but just walking alongside me. So we get to the check-in desk and I was like, you need to sit down. You can't even walk. Like you're so winded and you're tired and you just need to sit down. He's like, I'm not sitting down. And so I <laughs> said, we're going to get a wheelchair. I don't need a wheelchair. I said, sit your fucking ass down. I said, mm-hmm. you need to sit down. I said, because if you fall, I can't catch you.
1: Mm-hmm. And so I'm Big swearing guy.
2: at him in the lobby of a hospital, like a real class act. Yeah. And the risk it. You That's know, they laughing. It at happens. Yeah. So they take him back to triage and they, uh, you know, take his temperature. And by that time, his fever had gone away. They uh, took his um, oxygen, right. little pulse ox. The girl's like, hold on, let me go get a new machine. Comes back with a new machine. Takes his oxygen again. That's not right. Comes back with a third machine. Realizes Uh-oh. that the machines are broken. His mm. oxygen was at 52.
0: Mm. So a
2: normal person's supposed to be about 100. Right. 95 to 100. Oh, okay. no. Yeah. Somebody with uh, severe COPD or asthma. Asthma, right. Um, if they're in the middle of an asthma attack, they usually are around 85.
0: Right. Okay. So they
2: were like, what the hell is this? So they rushed him back, got him on oxygen. We
0: mm-hmm. thought,
2: okay. So put him on oxygen and... You know, I have pictures of him the day we got in the hospital and he's thumbs up with just the the oxygen. They did COVID tests. They're like, this is this has got to be COVID. We know this is COVID.
1: Right.
2: Negative COVID tests. While we were in the hospital got the results from Friday's COVID test that were negative, or Thursday's COVID test that were negative. We're like, this isn't COVID. We know it's not COVID. Uh, so they admitted him to the hospital uh, that was Sunday. Wednesday, you know, and every day he seemed to be doing kind of okay. And then he'd Seem a little rocky and then kind of okay. Wednesday, they moved him to the ICU. And the reason they told me they were moving in the ICU is because the the floor we were on, the nurse ratio, I think was like six to one. Mm -hmm. They're like, we just want a better eye on him. And the one nurse that we had, he was amazing. And I have his name in my phone and I can't remember it, but I think his name was Danny. And he was like, I've been working in the COVID unit for the past few months. This is COVID. And I was like, okay, like COVID, at least we know what this is. He's like, it'll come up as COVID eventually. And we're like, okay. He's like, I want to get him moved to ICU because they have a two-to-one ratio, and I want him to get more one-on-one care.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And I was like, okay, like I, I guess. Like, this is a little terrifying, but yeah. yeah. He's like, he goes, I just don't want him to get worse, and then we move him to ICU. He goes, I want to be proactive.
1: That's like, good. Okay,
2: yeah, absolutely. Good on Danny. Like, Advent Health in Tampa just – Absolutely amazing, amazing staff, nurses, doctors, everybody. Um, And in the meantime, I'm keeping this very, very close to the chest. But, you know, a handful of the people at AEW did know what was going on because he had, you know, got sent home from work. Sure. Chris Harrington, in particular, somebody who we've been friends with for almost 20 years. I've known Chris for a long time, his wife, Alyssa, very close friends of ours. Um, They reached out to me and they're like, hey, we want to be able to help you. And he's like, I want to give you our HR person's number. Her name's Margaret. And I was like, Nope, I'm good. Don't want it. Sorry, because I just I've been around wrestling a long time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm also very distrustful of people. (laughs) Right. So I was like, Well, you you
0: have a very public life, but you have a very private way of living that life, and you're being protective of your husband, your life, your kids. So rightfully so, completely valid way to respond.
2: I didn't want it to be, uh, you know, you're worried about dirt sheets. Brody Lee's in hospital, With COVID and all this other. So I was like, No, I'm not interested. He's like, Well, can I give her your number? So, Margaret texted me and a handful of texts, and she'd, every day she'd text me and she'd check in on me, but I was just, I didn't trust it. Not going to lie. And I apologize to Margaret now because she is my guardian angel. Mm. Hi, Margaret. One Margaret's most here.
1: She's amazing ever. here. Absolutely. She's my favorite. Yeah.
2: but She's um, great. did not trust it because sure. I just, I don't know, I just didn't trust it. So, every day he seemed to get a little bit worse. And I actually put it on my Instagram of the very last text message he sent me Mm -hmm. was him saying, like, as soon as I get out of here, we're going to live the life we always wanted and go on all the vacations. And he used the word YOLO, which always popped me because Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) it's just ridiculous. Yeah. So fast forwarding a little bit to Halloween, Um, I go up to the hospital and they were taking him for a CAT scan, or they were taking him for some kind of scan when I got there. So they wouldn't let me up in the room. So I was waiting in the lobby, and the doctor called me, and he's like, Hey, when are you going to be here? I'm like, Well, I'm in the lobby right now. And he's like, Okay, you and I need to have a talk. And I was like, Okay. So I go upstairs, and he meets me in the hallway, and he's like, Hey, um, we're going to transfer him. Oh. And so I assumed we were going to end up at like Champa General, which is down the, sh- it's a little bit further away from our house, but it's a bigger hospital. And he's like, your options are Mayo or Shands. And I was like, uh, I, I don't know anything about either of them. He's like, well, Mayo's in Jacksonville, Shands is in Gainesville.
0: And I was like, wait,
2: what? That's where? What wow. the hell? Like we're yeah. leaving Tampa. Wait, wait, what, wait, what do you mean this, these are my options? Not
0: only as he transferred, but you're outright leaving Tampa yeah, at this point. Yeah, exactly.
2: And I was like, no, what, what do you mean? So I was very upset. I was like, all right, like at least in Jacksonville, I know we have people there that I I have connections there. I have people who I don't know, but my husband knows and my husband trusts. So let's go to let's try and make Jacksonville work. So I called Margaret, and she was actually with Mega, who's the lawyer and
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, Margaret also and Megan. amazing. Uh, don't even get me started. We'll, we'll I'll touch on Megan. Margaret. <laughs> okay,
0: okay. We're, we're gonna get a whole story about them. Okay, we need to have them on the podcast.
2: I, you really do. They're the most. Fascinating people out Oh, 100%.
0: Um,
2: but called them, and I was on the speaker phone with them while the doctor had the Mayo Clinic on speaker. And they were kind of like hemming and hawing about transferring him. And the doctor goes, We need to transfer him. This is a matter of life and death. He needs to go on ECMO, which I had never heard of before. And he needs a possible lung transplant. And that was the first time I had heard about it. So wow. while I'm on oh, the phone boy. with these two people who I've never met, right? And the hospital and the doctors they tell me this so i kind of broke down yeah i'm not sure. a big crier Rightfully i cried so. maybe four or five times in this whole process so okay. had a full breakdown in the hospital and the doctor said you need to go i'm sorry you heard it that way i really didn't mean to tell you but i need them to understand how serious this is he goes go home pack a bag we're going to airlift him to jacksonville okay i was like are you what like what is what is this,
0: this yeah is this not- sounds like a movie all of a sudden yeah
2: um, and he was still awake. He was still conscious at that point. He wasn't intubated. He was still just on the breathing machines. Um, and they were like, we don't want you to see him right now because if you go in as upset as you are, you're mm. going to upset him and that's going to
1: yeah make it worse. possibly
2: trigger something. Sure. So, side note, rewinding just a little bit. The night before, Brody had been asking me for months, I want to be Orange Cassidy for Halloween. <laughs> Brody, nobody knows who the fuck Orange Cassidy is. No offense, Orange Cassidy. I love you, but... Like everyone
0: here knows, yeah. Who's everybody Orange here right. and everybody
2: who's going to listen to this knows who the fuck Orange Chastity yeah. is, right? I was like you're going to go trick or treating, and these parents are going to be like, "This kid's dressed in sunglasses and in a denim jacket.
0: Yeah. <laughs> he's lazy. So Where's his costume?
2: Literally, the last. <laughs> I'm not even joking when I say the one of the last spoken words my husband ever said to me was go buy him a fucking denim jacket because I was telling him how Brody was mad at me the night before because I wouldn't go to Walmart at nine o'clock at night to buy him a denim jacket. And so I was telling John that story in the hospital on on Wednesday or Friday, the day before Halloween. I said, yeah, Brody's mad because I wouldn't go buy him a denim jacket. And he goes, I'm mad at you too behind the breathing mask. And I go, you're mad at me? (laughs) And he goes, yeah. I go, why are you mad at me? He goes, go buy the kid a fucking denim jacket.
1: I was like, you're ridiculous. So
2: I left the hospital early to go. So we ended up going to uh, the store that night to pick up the denim jacket. And I was like, what am I going to do for Nolan's costume? So at the last minute, decided to dress up Nolan as John. Uh, Brody, whatever. Yeah. As just a way of like making him kind of cheered up because this was supposed to be the first Halloween he was actually going to be home. Mm-hmm. Sure. Because prior to this, he was always traveling Absolutely. for Halloween. Right. right. So this was his first Halloween to be home with mm-hmm. the kids. Oh, wow. So he was very upset about being in the hospital and sure. being. So I had stayed up all night long painting Nolan's little costume. It was adorable, by the <laughs> Super way. Super cute. I was so proud of it mm-hmm. um, as a surprise for John. Right. And. So Halloween night, or Halloween morning, I run home, um, pack my bags, sit down with Brody and tell him what was going on. We kept it, I kept everything very real with Brody, but also in eight-year-old terms, yeah. um, explained to him, never once was like, it's going to be okay, because right. I'm a very big believer in not lying to your kids. Sure. So I was like, you know, this is really bad, mm-hmm. dad's really sick, but he's going to go to the best hospital in Florida, and... You know, this is what we're doing. So a friend of mine, who we were going to go to uh, their neighborhood uh, for Halloween, I called her. I said, "Hey, can you still come? Can you pick up Brody up?" Uh, so that way, his Halloween's just not ruined. So she picked Brody up, and so I got the kids dressed in their costume, and I was like, "All right, let me let me get pictures of the kids real quick." So I can have them all dressed up and show John. So mm-hmm. when I go back to the hospital and I'm calm, mm-hmm. I can go in and show him and say, hey, like, at least this is what's good and, you know, you're going to you're gonna be okay. You know, Finding the silver are be linings, okay.
1: yeah. yeah.
2: Um, so we did that, took the Halloween pictures and packed my bag. And as I was hugging Nolan goodbye, the hospital called me and they're like, he crashed and he's intubated. Oh, boy. So went back up to the hospital and I walked into the room and – it, I don't know. It just was garbage everywhere, and it was horrifying to look at because he had um, the tube down his throat, and right. it was just—it was awful. Right. Uh, so I couldn't actually sit in the room with him. I waited in a conference room right. Uh, right. down the hall by right. myself right. Uh, while we waited for right. our mercy flight transfer, okay. and it was just the okay. <laughs> one of the worst like moments of my life. Yeah,
1: I, I'm sure it was. We want to uh, talk about transferring the Jacksonville and the support that you've had. We're talking with uh, Amanda Huber. You're listening to AEW unrestricted.
0: This is AEW unrestricted. Aubrey and Tony here with a very special conversation with Amanda. Uh, I want to thank you so much for sharing, you know, just your time and your story and your family, because like, it's been very clear, both internally and from all the pictures and stories externally, like you guys are a part of the AEW family, so I can't thank you enough for being here today and sharing this with us because I know that this this is a lot.
2: Honestly, I can't thank you guys enough because I know I don't owe anybody any answers or any explanation. You do not. But at the same time, you know, I know people care. Mm-hmm. And I know that there's a lot of questions and we kept it so quiet and tight to the chest that a lot of people Even people who were very, very close to us that were completely knocked on their ass by this.
0: So you had mentioned that John crashed, he's in tubes, and they need to transfer him to Jacksonville. Yep. So what happens then?
2: So at like 1 a.m., and I, like I said, I had stayed up all night the night before painting Nolan's costume. So I didn't go to sleep until about 3.34 in the morning. Oh, boy. (laughs) And... Got up nice and early at 7, or I got up at 6.30 to be at the hospital bright and early on Halloween because I was planning to leave the hospital like an hour before visiting hours were over so my kids could enjoy Halloween. We were going to go out in the neighborhood with friends of ours who we knew had been safe and um, just let the kids be kids. Um, So... They airlifted us at about one in the morning. Um, first time I've ever been on a private jet or mm-hmm. private plane. Um, and my view was my husband's feet. Uh, didn't even get a window seat. Mm-hmm. was texting my best friend, um, like m- making jokes with her, saying mm-hmm. like it was, you know, zero zero star flight because I didn't even get a window seat. There was, no, was no drink service. Right. You know, just trying to make life of light of the the situation because
0: yeah, what else you, did you do in that moment? You have to.
2: Uh, so we get to Mayo Clinic, and or we get to Jacksonville, and we get ambulance ride from the Jacksonville Airport to the Mayo Clinic. Um, while we're in the ambulance, they were like yelling about his oxygen levels, and I'm just sitting in the front seat, like, cool, this is this is fine. And all I could just picture is that like meme with the dog with the room on fire, and I'm like, uh, this, this is fine, this fine with is the fine. mug. This is fine. Yeah, <laughs> this is fine. I'm okay with the things that yeah, are unfolding around.
1: Right.
0: Uh,
2: so. They stick me in a hallway, and this is like two in the morning, and they're like, we have to get him in a room. You have to sit here. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. So I wait 90 minutes, and I'm just sitting in this hallway for 90 minutes. Haven't slept in you know, a very long time, and just literally the most stressful and traumatic day of my life. Sure. So... I finally like go walk down the hallway and I grab a nurse and they look at me like I have six heads because, you know, what are you doing? What, what is a person walking through the ICU at three in the morning? It's like <laughs> someone who was left in the hallway. Right, right. And they're like, we forgot about you. And I was like, I noticed. Thanks. Yeah. So wow. uh, the oh, doctors boy. come and they start explaining to me the process of ECMO, which is terrifying to hear about it and it's it was terrifying to witness the very first day um, but essentially what ECMO is is a way the way they explained to me is basically dialysis for your lungs okay. okay so what it is it's absolutely horrifying but you have a, a garden hose sized tube coming out of your neck you and one coming out of uh, you have one in your carotid that goes pumps blood straight to your heart right and then one out of your uh, vein in your leg okay and so what it does is it pulls the blood out of your leg spins it through this machine and oxygenates it Mm -hmm. and then pumps it directly to your heart so your heart can push it through the rest of your body right Mm -hmm. so basically takes the place of
1: it was doing the work for each lungs right 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 so
2: they tell me that and you know you have with any surgery even like you know your tonsils out you have to hear all the risks of what that surgery entails so at you know 4 a.m i'm being told basically my husband's gonna die so i had a very rough night that night mm-hmm. um so they were like hey you know we're gonna prep him for surgery why don't you why don't you go home and go to sleep and i was like home is in tampa i'm not yeah. going to home right. you mean the but hallway like- <laughs> like- <laughs> uh and they're like well do you have a hotel and i was and AEW actually took care of my hotel the entire time I was there. And I was like, I can pay for it. Like, we have the money. And they're like, no, we got you. And right. I was like, no, it's really fine. Like, guys, it's really fine. I, I don't want to owe anybody favors. Right. Because, again, very, you know, like abused dog kind of thing. Like, I just don't trust it.
1: Mm-hmm. I understand. Um,
2: so I was like, oh, God, what do you guys want to want from You're me? They're kind of waiting guys- for the other
0: shoe yes! to drop. Like, okay, cool. They're paying for my hotel, but at what point is this going to backfire? Exactly. Thing? Right.
2: And they're like, we've we got you. We're a family. And, I, I always look at corporations when they say we're a family with a side. I like, no, you're not. You're yeah, no, bullshit. it's a lot of bullshit. Eight side now, AEW, hundred percent a family. Like, I can't even begin to describe. All those it.
0: other places are bullshit. Here, where it's real. It's
2: it's like the most real thing ever here. But they're like, why don't you go go get some sleep? And I was like, I, no, I can't <laughs> sleep. So I ended up going to um, taking an Uber to Publix because I realized I hadn't eaten anything. Uh, since Friday night, and this is like Sunday, like morning, like 9 a.m. Yeah, should and I probably like, eat. I haven't eaten in a very long time. I had the worst headache of my life. Mm-hmm. Took an Uber and my migraine was so bad that I vomited in my Uber. And I was like, I swear I don't have COVID. I'm just really sick. Five stars. Wow. I'm sorry. <laughs> and I like warned him. I was like, I have a migraine. I'm, I'm really sorry right now because of all the crying and all the trauma and the lack of sleep and no food. You're dehydrated.
0: You're it was undernourished.
2: Exactly. And I was like, oh, God, this guy is going to... And I'm like getting picked up from the Mayo Clinic. So I'm like, this guy's going to assume I'm sick. Right, right. So sure. I and I warned him I didn't throw up in his car, but yeah. I was like, "Hey, can you pull over?
0: At <laughs> uh, least out the window."
2: Yeah, just <laughs> leaning out the door, and I was like, just screaming, "Like it's not COVID, I swear,
0: <laughs> it's not COVID." Blah. <laughs> um,
2: but he came out of uh, the surgery from ECMO because I went back to the hotel, I showered and got my stuff. Um, and the way the Mayo Clinic set up is the hospital, the Marriott attached to it, is literally like. It's a beautiful, beautiful walk. I have pictures of my walk every day. It was, like, my favorite part of every day It was because it was this beautiful, like, trails and trees and ponds and ducks and yeah. all that. So, you know, we he got put on the ECMO, and the first day walking into that was, it was a lot. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. just to see him with not only the ventilator tube down his throat, mm-hmm. but the ECMO cannulas,
1: mm-hmm.
2: it was horrifying. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, And after a while, I got used to it, but it it was a very, like, it is not a pleasant look.
1: Right. And he was not conscious, was he? He was not conscious. No, he was awake.
2: He was very sedated. Mm -hmm. Um, And the one nurse, I, I have to say this, this is part of the reason I wanted to, like, talk about this. The staff at the Mayo Clinic were the most kind and compassionate and incredible human beings on the planet. They do not get enough credit for everything they did, not only taking care of my husband, but they took care of me, too. And they were constantly, like checking in with me and talking to me and they explained everything that was happening and they, every time they did anything, they're like, do you have any questions? Or anytime I had a question, they never once made me feel like I shouldn't be asking that. Um, they they explained to me what everything was happening, just everything along the way, they were incredible. So the first day walking into him on the ECMO cannulas was it was a lot. And right. the one nurse, Alexis, sat me down and explained to me how everything worked and explained to me that it was like dialysis. And right. she's like, you, you need to take care of yourself. <laughs> she's like, do you have a doctor? You, she's like, I'm not trying to push medication on you, but what you're going through. Because I was having the worst panic attacks in a hospital while wearing a mask. So when you're wearing a mask. You're not really having right. a, a lot of, oh, right. wow. It was really bad. Sure. Um, she's like, you get help. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right. So, you know, I didn't and, and a big recurrent theme is everybody's been like, You're so strong and you're you're I admire your strength. I am medicated.
0: Oh, and I am bro. In, I am in therapy. Oh, meds right. are great. Like, like right.
2: please, like if but you But admitting are you need
0: meds and taking them is strength in and of itself.
2: Agreed. But I just having that that's part of where that strength is coming. Is because I'm I'm taking the steps to talk to a therapist and Good. I'm taking the steps to Take medic and I'm not medicated, I'm not
0: like drugged up,
2: but I am on.
0: We all need a little help sometimes.
2: It's fine. Makes the world a little bit more manageable. Right.
0: Yeah. I'm proud of you.
2: Thank you. <laughs> it was it was a big step to admit that I needed that help because I am not somebody who likes to take help from anything. That is yeah. that is
0: the hardest part is admitting yeah. it.
2: Yeah, so I had a, had a really rough time with that. So you know, we had been there for a little bit, a couple of days at that point. And this is another story about how um, Miss Margaret is my guardian angel is I would just get like. Hi, Margaret. <laughs> <laughs> she texts text me and she'd be like, have you eaten? And I'm like, yeah, of course. It's
1: a lie. Yeah.
2: Um, and all of a sudden, like, I'd get a knock on my door and it would just be food.
0: Aww. And
1: she would just send me food. Yeah.
2: Although we had to have a discussion because Margaret's under the impression that I was like one of four people in my room
0: mm-hmm.
2: because she would just.
0: <laughs> <laughs> she would mom you and send you a she feast. She would
2: order me like four different <laughs> meals. And she's like, I didn't know what you wanted. But it worked out nice because I'd end up having, you know, meals leftovers
0: right. every cheeseburger day. She's for breakfast. Right. It's great.
2: I, uh, she, Mexican food was my jam. So oh,
0: man. Know. Why are we not best friends? We
2: are best friends. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> but um, they took really good care of me. Uh, so I think it was November 9th I came to talk to AEW. Yes, um, it
0: was the right before the pay-per-view. Yeah. Right.
2: So I had talked to Megan and Margaret, and they're like, hey, we're gonna if it's okay with you, we're gonna let everybody know what's going on. Is there anything you want us to say or not say? What do you want? And every step of the way with everything that's happened from Day one to now, including everything that's happening with Brody, Lee Jr. and negative one, all every single step of the way, everybody's always come to me and been like, what are you OK with this? What is this OK? Is this not OK? What can we do better? And I'm always like, uh, uh. so Margaret and Mega were like, we want to talk to every, We want to tell everybody what's going on. What do you want out of this? I said, I just want everybody to keep their mouths shut. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm asking. Is mm-hmm. I'm asking for discretion, because I can't imagine being in my husband's position. And at the time, we thought he was going to get better because he was showing signs of improvement. I thought for sure he'd wake up, and he would be furious to read on the dirt sheets that he's
1: yes in the mm-hmm. hospital,
2: right? So I was like, just all I ask is for everybody's discretion. And she's like, absolutely, you got it. And I said, if you need me to go and speak in front of everybody. And guilt the fuck out of them. And they mm. have to look at my face mm-hmm. and see me and see who is asking this of them. Yeah. And they're like, well, we didn't want to ask you to do that. But, like, if you're cool it's with it. your And I was like, no, I will. I said, because I want them to keep their mouths shut. Sure. I said, I want. I know. I know wrestling. And I've been around wrestling a long time. And I know that it's. I fully expected it to hit the dirt sheets. So did, every day. So, so did I. Every
0: day. I. I think yeah. everyone here did. I yes. checked Reddit every day. Oh, and like, would,
2: <laughs> me in the hospital, I'd like on Reddit every day. And like yeah. there was, you know, rumors of the ankle injury because yeah, right. of, and, uh, but I, every day I was like, okay,
0: the storyline with Dustin, he's going to come back. And like, right, everyone's right. coming up with all these theories and stuff. And it's like, we're testing AEW people and nobody's saying anything. It's like, yeah. Cause we don't know you shit. Yeah, exactly. Right.
2: And so another, like rewinding just a little bit, Everybody has thought it was COVID since the jump. And even in the first few days we were at Mayo Clinic, they thought it was COVID. Mm-hmm. I have pictures of me in full PPE to be in his room because they thought it was COVID. So I had to have the N95. I had to have the hairnet. I had to have literally full PPE to be in his room. Sure. Every COVID test came back negative to the point where I was like, can we just get a positive one just so we have a." Fucking answer. Of uh, what's yeah. going on. Seriously. Oh, right. Seriously. I just want an answer. That's all I want. And like they did a bronchial wash at one point, And the one doctor was telling me that at Mayo Clinic, they've had a couple of cases where people would test negative for COVID and then they would do a bronchial wash and they'd find it residing deep in the lungs. So they mm. were like, oh, that's what it's going to be. Right. Negative. Mm. Every fucking test was negative. And it was like, I don't... What is this? There's just not... The So not 100% sure because I actually don't have the autopsy report yet, mm. but I believe the official diagnosis was idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis, which literally means that his lungs scarred up. And the idiopathic part means they don't fucking know why. They don't know what happened to his lungs, but they know his lungs were just completely scarred over. Damn. And so talking to the doctors and the nurses they think part of it they don't know what it was whether if it was an ammonia that got out of control or what they think whatever fever he had was his body fighting off whatever infection was in his lungs the problem is is that um his body doing that high fever he had for a couple days basically attacked his lung tissue and just scarred it over Mm. so by the time we were in the hospital there was no infection there was everything was already out of his system but the leftover scar tissue was there. Um, so on, like, x-rays and scans, your lungs are supposed to be, I believe, totally black on the scan. Mm-hmm. And his were completely white. They were completely scarred over. Um, so that's why they put him on the ECMO as a chance to have his body rest and not use his lungs. Um, and let his lungs just try and heal. That was the hope.
1: But- right. Right.
2: You know, obviously that yeah. didn't happen.
1: Sure.
0: So why was a transplant not an option?
2: So the transplant actually was an option. So they had talked to me about the transplant the day I actually came to AEW back on the 9th. I assigned paperwork to start the transplant process, which was a very overwhelming well, moment. Um, and then got picked up to go talk to,
0: to AEW. <laughs> right. Which we appreciate, by the way. No, in- That was really, really like, I cannot yeah. thank you enough for standing in front of a group of people and telling us what was happening. 'Cause I had only heard Brody was sick. Yeah. I knew right. nothing more than that. Me so too. like yeah. just being open and transparent and trusting of that information, that was I, I can't thank you enough for that.
2: I just I knew how much my husband meant to everybody here. We have so many friends here, so much so that it, it blew me away. But knowing that he how many people cared, how many people were worried about him and just trying to keep it quiet. And I wanted people to see me and put like a face and know who I was and know like, this is why I'm asking. It's not just because I'm trying to be secretive, but it's because that's what he would have wanted. Mm -hmm. He wouldn't have wanted it all over the dirt sheets. He wouldn't have wanted everybody knowing he was sick. He doesn't want, he wouldn't have wanted the fanfare. That's just not who he was. Um, So coming in to talk to you guys, it felt like the right move and it felt like that's what I should have done.
0: So the transplant you had. Basically, started that process that day.
2: Yes. Yeah, so, we start, I filled out the paperwork for the transplant, and then he showed signs of getting better. Mm. He actually showed signs of getting better. And I have a video of him. He started physical therapy. Things were looking up. Wow. And it was uh, right around my birthday, actually, which kind of side note story I had made an off comment to one of the nurses at the hospital about how I love Christmas decorations. And my husband, not a Christmas person like me. Uh, <laughs> and he believes Christmas decorations should go up like beginning of December. And so my loophole is November 14th, which is my birthday. So I said, oh, yeah, the, the 14th is usually my loophole. And this was right around the time I t- came to talk to AEW. I said, oh, yeah, that's my loophole. And she was like, that's a weird date. Why? And I was like, oh, you know, that's my birthday. She's like, oh, I didn't know that. So this was, like I said, I think that in the 8th or 9th. So on my birthday, I walked in the hospital, and the nurses had taken IV tubing and paper and made me a birthday banner.
0: Oh, my God. And then I was sitting
2: on the couch just playing on my phone, probably scrolling, you know, the dirt sheets and Reddit and mm-hmm. all that. And they shut off the lights, so I assume they were coming in to do something with John, and they walked in with a birthday cake and candles.
0: Oh, my God. And I
2: cried like a baby.
1: I bet. Um, oh, so fuck. they
2: apparently... Barb was the nurse who I mentioned something to uh, and she apparently went on their little group and said, hey, oh my you know, God. Mr. Beaver's wife's birthday is this week. She's going to be here. Let's make it special. That's so incredible. Um, so like these are the people who, when I say they took care of me, it wasn't just my husband that was their patient. Like they became my friends right. mm-hmm. and they became people who I think are the most special and incredible people on the planet.
1: We're talking with Amanda Huber on AEW Unrestricted. AEW Unrestricted continues with our special guest Amanda Huber. And Amanda, um, we were talking about the last time we we were talking about your birthday and in the month of November, and and John was getting better at that time, yeah, he right? He was
2: getting better, and they had uh, performed a tracheotomy on him, um, so they could remove him from the ventilator, mm-hmm. and then they put oxygen through his um, tube, and he was able to wake up, and he started like communicating with me and he'd smile and he'd wink at me and he just he'd mouth words to me he couldn't talk but he could mouth words Mm -hmm. Um, but because at that point he had been in the hospital for a couple weeks um, he was on a feeding tube he was very malnourished he was very weak very tired but he started on physical therapy and things were looking up Um, and then he got put he got taken off the ventilator and got put on straight oxygen Mm -hmm. and that was kind of the day that things started going bad he had a really good day that day, and that was the next step, was to take him off the ventilator, um, so the machine that was breathing for him, and just have him on oxygen. And we were super hopeful, and he had a panic attack while on the oxygen. Um, and pretty much from that day on, things went to shit. And this was end of November. Okay. Um. So... I spent pretty much the entire month of November uh, in Jacksonville, like the entire month. I saw my kids once. They had come to the AEW show. Uh, It was the first time my kids got to meet everybody, and there are pictures of Brody running around with the bells, and it was just a nice break, and it was my chance. uh, One of my really good friends, she drove my kids up from Tampa, and it was the first time I had just gotten to see them and hold them, and I'm I'm a stay-at-home mom, so like I was just so excited to see my kids again. Mm Mm-hmm. So for my birthday, like I said, I spent my birthday at the hospital. Um, for Thanksgiving, I didn't go home. I actually spent Thanksgiving with Mega. Yeah. Uh, we ate uh, sushi on the beach, or, well, sushi in her house, but we sat on the beach all day. You can see was, the beach
0: from her house. It works. It was sure. just,
2: it was honestly the best Thanksgiving I ever had because it was just, um, it was a nice break. Sure. But I had gone home for Nolan's birthday on the 1st, but outside of that, I, I lived in Jacksonville for two months. Mm-hmm. Um, and he started going downhill. He started... Just every day was filled with bad news. We'd make, They had warned me when we started ECMO that ECMO was a long process and that there were going to be days where it was going to be two steps forward, one step back. And then there were going to be days where it was like three steps backwards, but then it would be a step forward. So she's like, it's kind of a side shuffle with ECMO. So I was prepared for ups and downs, but... Starting in December, it kind of went downhill, and it was consistently downhill. So I feel like every day just – it kept getting worse. Right. Um, And I was doing uh, text updates to people because once I had talked to AEW, more people had found out they were very concerned, wanted updates. So I would put notes in my phone and then just copy it and paste it to everybody. Mm -hmm. So that way I wasn't missing information, and it was – It was tough. Yeah. Uh, So we moved forward. Like I said, he got worse. So then they're like, all right, we're going to revisit the lung transplant thing.
0: Okay.
2: And the doctor came in and talked to me. And he basically was like, he needs a lung transplant or end of life care. And I was like, the fuck, man? Oh, boy. (laughs) I didn't realize. Hi, hello. Who are
0: you? What?
2: Yeah. So he was a very nice man. um, But very no nonsense and was very like, straight into the here is your here are your two options cuz i was right. like you know what are what are my options at right. this point like because they had talked to me about the process of the transplant and how it was completely life changing the the requirements for post transplant life were things for me wouldn't be a big deal mm-hmm. but for him like he would have had to give up resli- wrestling, wrestling. Mm-hmm. he would be immune compromised for the rest of his life yep. right. um Just a lot of the things that they would have asked of him with a transplant were a lot. So when they had told me all the information with the transplant, I was like, okay, well, what if we don't go transplant? Like, can we kind of ride this ECMO thing a little longer and see if there's any improvement? And he's like, no. He's not showing any signs. He's actually getting worse. It's this or nothing.
0: Well,
1: so. so
2: that was super, super rough. Yeah moment for (laughs) me. Yeah, I I
1: understand.
0: Understatement. I can't
1: imagine.
2: So I had driven home uh, and they were like, we're going to start the workup for making sure he's okay for transplant. And I got back to Jacksonville. I spent literally a single night at home, surprised the kids and then drove home that following night as soon as they went to bed because I didn't want to be there when they woke up. So would drive the, the drive back to Jacksonville in the middle of the night. Uh, and I got back up to the hospital in Tampa, or, in, I'm sorry, the Mayo Clinic, and they were like, hey, um, he's got an infection in his lungs. Oh, no. And we were like, I was like, how, how did he get an infection in his lungs? He's, he's in been in a hospital. hospital. Right. And they said what it is, it's a really super common bacteria that is just everywhere. Um, but because he was so immunocompromised and in such terrible shape that the bacteria had grown... And his lungs were just like he was fucked.
1: (laughs) Right, he was shutting down. Right, yeah. Yeah.
2: So it was like, what? Yeah. Um, so they're like, we're we're gonna we're gonna we'll we'll see. So, um, right around that time was my anniversary with John. This is the thirteenth. His birthday is the sixteenth. And Brody, Brody had been having a real rough time because his. I'm not joking when I say. Since this kid came out, he's been obsessed with wrestling. Like he just I have pictures of him at a year old just wrestling his bear. He it was the only thing he would sit still for is wrestling and he just loves wrestling. Sure. That's all he that's, that's what he eats, sleeps. We have a rule on school days that he is not he does virtual school so he's not allowed to do anything around wrestling during school hours because he would his grades started slipping, and we were like, "What's going on?" And it, we found out that he was running into the living room anytime he had finished his schoolwork to watch wrestling. <laughs> and he would get like his grades started slipping, and there was one test he did where John and I were like, "What the hell, man?" He got like a, a like a fourteen out of twenty, but like two of the answers he didn't even answer; he just left them blank
0: because he just wanted to he finish he wanted to go watch to wrestling.
2: Go watch wrestling so he he was having a real rough time and jericho had said to me like if you need anything at all you let me know if you need to go back to tampa let me know if you need the kids to come here anything you need so i had talked to brody and he was just having a really rough time with things um, so i was like well what do you what do you want for christmas and he's like i want dad home I'm like that's not happening mm-hmm. so what's the second else, thing you want for christmas he's like i want to go to AEW so Ended up talking with uh, Harrington and Margaret and Mega and Jericho and put Brody on Jericho's plane, private private jet, mm-hmm. to come <laughs> here to Jacksonville right? Um, to just be here.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, got to spend a couple days. Uh, it was actually John's birthday on that show. And I was waiting to hear back from the transplant team. And every day they were like, okay, we'll let you know tomorrow. We'll let you know tomorrow. And they met. I knew that they were meeting that night and I was going to get a definitive yes or no.
0: Mm. I
2: was waiting to hear back. And I knew when I didn't get a call when I was at AEW, that the answer was no. Like, right. I knew in my heart, the answer was no because of the infection. Yeah. Um, so mega ended up taking Brody that Friday. So I could go up to the hospital cause I hadn't been able to go up to the hospital cause Brody was with me. And I walked in and the one nurse Penny, she's like, Oh, you know, I'm so sorry. And I was like, okay and she's like wait they didn't call you and i was like no oh no i was like but like i knew
0: yeah not call is the same thing she
2: started she got like super upset and i was like "I'm, i'm not mad like i i knew the answer yeah like deep in my heart i knew it was a no so i had called um john's aunt and uncle who had come down to watch the kids uh my friends uh sophia and joe they flew down in November, and then Tom and Lori took over in December. Mm-hmm. So I called Tom and Lori and I said, hey, this is what we were worried about, but I, we're going to have to start end-of-life care. Yeah. So Penny came in. She's like, don't call anybody. Don't call anybody yet. We, doctor, doctor wants to talk to you before you make any phone calls. So he pulled me into a conference room and he's like, are you ready to give up? And I was like, no, I'm not ready to give up. Like,
1: right. no, sure. do
2: I have a choice? And he's like, you know, I know that the transplant doctors made it very black and white. He goes, I am not ready to give up on him. He goes, I, I think it's a long shot, but he goes, I, he's got so much going for him that I want to try. And he's like, I want to try other hospitals. I want to try other centers. I want to know that if he goes to end-of-life care, we have exhausted every possible option. And I was like, all right, let's do it. So the days leading up to Christmas, I went home on the 23rd. And I went up to the hospital that morning, talked to the the nursing staff. And I was like, here's the deal. I am going home for the next two days unless he needs surgery. I don't want to hear from you guys. I will call and get an update every day. I don't want to hear any bad news. So if a hospital, because we had gotten turned down by a couple of the other transplant centers already. And we were still waiting to hear back on some of them. I said, I don't want to hear if we've got turned down. I said, I want days with my kids that's all I want okay um, so I get home on Christmas Eve the hospital called me and it was the only doctor I wasn't a fan of no <laughs>
0: yeah. I had
2: every every doctor and the worst part is I had never even talked to this doctor he called me and he's like uh can you come up and I was like no I'm at home with my kids yeah he's like well Christmas you need to Eve dick it's Christmas Eve yeah. and he's like well you need to come here and I was like no I don't
0: You need to get some better bedside manners, sir.
2: So he was like, you need to to come up. And I go, why? He goes, we need to do end of life. And I was like, it's Christmas fucking Eve, motherfucker. Like, are you kidding? I'm very patient. Like, I'm very kind, especially to anybody in a service job, because I've worked service jobs my whole life. So I'm ultra kind to those people, because I know the abuse that they suffer. So Mm -hmm. every nurse, every doctor, I'm always super nice to. And I was like, no. He's like, well, we need to do this. And I was like, no, I don't. I said, I had already talked to the nursing staff and they had told me that if I say I'm not ready and I need a few days, you have to agree, like, you can't make this decision for me. He's like, well, his kidneys are failing and his heart's failing. And he's like, I just don't want him to pass before you're up here. And I was like, that's, that's a risk I'm going to take. I'm sorry, but. It's Christmas. It's Christmas Eve. I have a three-year-old and an eight-year-old. Like I am, or actually, uh, yeah, like. I was like, I'm not going to do this. It's Christmas Eve. Yeah. Like, my kids don't even know that their dad's dying. Right. Like, I'm not doing this. And I was furious with him. And I was like, I'm not, I'm not coming up. Yeah. And so I hung up with him and I was just, I was shaking mad. And I called back and I talked to one of the nurses and she answered. And she's like, I'm so sorry. And she's like, I did not know the conversation was going to go like that. And I was like, I am furious. Like, sure. this is not fucking You have every okay. right to be. That's yeah. terrible. Like, I told you guys this is Christmas Eve. So, um, she's like, do what you need to do. You know, you understand the risk. And I was like, I understand, but that was the risk from day one in the hospital. Even when we were in Tampa and he was still conscious that when I would leave the hospital, there's a risk something could go wrong. Sure. If he went in for his tonsils, there's a some risk something can go wrong. Sure. So I called my brother-in-law, my um, sister-in-law and they hopped on a flight. So they came down and they were with us Christmas day, uh, spent Christmas day with, the kids just pretending everything was normal um, which was really tough to it do. sure was
1: yeah uh, absolutely
2: but you know we had a really good Christmas day Good. and then that night uh, my brother and sister-in-law and I drove up to Jacksonville overnight that night uh, checked into the hotel uh, Tom and Lori my mother-in-law was uh, staying at my house too on the kids drove up the next day uh, so I went up to the hospital to start the paperwork fill everything out. And when I called them on Christmas Eve, I was like, I had talked to the nursing staff earlier in the week about, hey, what's this going to look like? What am I, if that, and Penny was so sweet. And she's like, no, we're not worrying about that. And I was like, but be real with me. And she's like, no, 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 that's, this is not how this is going to go. And I was like, but if it does, and she's like, well, you're going to stay in the same room and you're going to have the same nurses. And I was like, okay, good. That's what I want. Like, I don't want to change nurses. I don't want to change floors or rooms, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, I want these people. Mm-hmm. So on Christmas Eve, I called and I said, Hey, there's about six nurses that I was super close with. Like I got, got to know everybody. Cause my day, every day I'd wake up first thing in the morning, eat my breakfast at the hotel and go to the hospital, be at the hospital from 8am ish till about noon or one, mm-hmm. walk back to the hotel have my lunch, walk Mm -hmm. back to the hospital. Mm -hmm. I would be there till about 8 or 9 at night just because I got to know the night staff that way. Um, And like uh, Alita and uh, all the amazing night staff nurses, I got to know them as well. Uh, So I said, hey, what are the chances I can get somebody, just one of the nurses to be somebody I know on on the 26th? And they're like, well, you know, we we don't know if we can, you know, scheduling-wise, we don't know. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, here's – I said, can I give you some names? I said – because he – in the ECMO rooms, there's two nurses at all times. So I got very close with a very large group of people. Right. And I said, if you could have Penny, Jill, Barb, Alexis, Austin, any of them, please, uh, like, any of them. Mm -hmm. So – like I said, I'm not a big crier. Uh, it's just not who I am. I cried uh, one night at Mega's mm-hmm. and the day they told me they were transferring us. Right. So that was kind of it. Mm-hmm. So on the 26 I got up to the hospital and they had put uh, both Barb and Jill in the room, and Penny was the floor nurse. And as soon as I saw um Jill, I started sobbing. And I was like, I'm just so happy to see you. Yeah. Because. Joe was his favorite when he was still kind of awake at Mm -hmm. one point. Um, Joe was his favorite, and Jill and I had become very, very friendly, and we had talked about just our lives and our kids, and she just felt so safe in that moment. And so I have so much love for her and Barb and Penny. Uh, So we filled out the paperwork. Margaret and Mega came up to the hospital, said goodbye to John. And I had been really close with cody throughout this whole process and i know it's been out there before of how uh, Brody lee jr his best friend in the whole world since he was like two years old is biggie from um wwe WWE. so i called them both uh i think christmas eve or christmas day Mm -hmm. i'm not sure and i said hey i have a huge favor to ask both of you and i said if you guys want to say no you can say no yeah I want you guys to be with me when we tell Brody Oh wow! because I wanted him to be safe. And like, that was the worst part of all of this is telling your eight year old, like, Hey, your favorite person in the world, your hero. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to die today. Like uh, yeah. how do you crush, how do you crush somebody? Yeah. Sure. Um, so I had called Cody and Biggie and Cody drove in from Atlanta that morning. He left at eight in the morning. So like it, that's the type of human being Cody is. And I, I will never be able to thank him enough for everything he's gone above and beyond. Um, and with Cody, he shares such a unique perspective because, with Brody, Brody hasn't really experienced a lot of deaths in his life. Um, both my parents are alive. My mother-in-law is alive. Uh, John's dad passed well before John and I ever started dating. Right. So Brody had never really lost anybody. So. Cody had the unique perspective of Brody knew Dusty from our time in WWE and we would be at all the the NXT shows. So Brody got to know Dusty and Dusty knew Brody and, you know, right. Brody would play with them. So Cody has that perspective of having your dad be this larger than life WWE superstar. Oh, wow. Also, it's your dad. Yeah.
0: yeah right.
2: You know, so I, I said to Cody, I said, i I want you by Brody's side for throughout this. If if you're okay with it, if it's too much, like please by all means tell yeah. me. I'm not going to be offended. And he's like, no, I got you. Um, so Cody and Biggie came up to the hospital, got to see John because mm-hmm. uh, in his final day uh, with Comfort Care, you're you're only allowed one visitor in the hospital. But once you get moved to host- you know end of life care, you're allowed more visitors to come mm-hmm. and say goodbye. So like I said, Megan and Margaret came. Um, Margaret Praden, and, and just beautiful moment um, and then Cody and biggie came up got to see him um, uh, Spears uh, Tyler breeze and Spears wife Cassie um, they were they're three of my our best friends uh, John and I uh, they came up to the hospital I, I called them that day and was like hey um, yeah. today's today's it sorry guys and they're like we're in the car now and I was like, "You don't have to come up." And they're like, "No, we we do." Mm-hmm. So they came up to the hospital, and uh, I I brought them into the room, the three of them into the room while we walked back to the hotel with Cody and Biggie. Um, and yeah. with the, the with them, told told Brody like,
1: yeah. Hey. Well, uh, it's <laughs> it's it's not an easy story, but it's, thank you for sharing yeah. that with us. Yeah, but
0: you're you're an incredible human being. Yeah, you really are. <laughs> I mean, I know,
2: <laughs> girls.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: like yeah,
2: yeah, Sorry, <laughs> I do flex with humor.
1: Right. <laughs> I understand. No, I understand the, the same. I think way. that's
0: one of the reasons that like so we, we hit it off real real fast. Like, yeah. um, because I was a I was a kid, like I was twelve when my dad passed away, and my mom had to tell me. Yeah. So, I have an incredible amount of respect for her, and. I have an incredible amount of respect for you because that's nothing that you ever like as a parent, that's something you never want to do. Oh, so like no one has any practice. No one wants to tell you how to do it. Cause yeah. Damn girl.
2: Like, how do you do that? How do you, <laughs> yeah. how do you know that? Like,
0: there's not almost, like an instruction manual of like, Hey, how do you, how do you break your kid's heart? And like, and
2: like knowing that like, this is my, you know, my kids are my favorite people in the world. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, my husband and my kids, like that was, uh, they're my everything. Yeah. And knowing that I was, I had to just, crush him and like i said we never lied to him i never diminished no that's what good was going that's on good. with john but we also i wasn't like hey your dad's on ecmo and you know his lung capacity is at zero you know i didn't right. like tell him all that stuff but like,
0: he'll have questions when he gets older and you'll be honest with him exactly and he'll, he'll respect you for that
2: yeah absolutely well
1: so amanda a lot of people have wondered did you have a service for brody
2: so we didn't because of covid and after being in the hospital with him and knowing he didn't have COVID, but knowing that ECMO is how they treat patients um, with COVID and right. seeing the devastation, I was like, we, we can't do this. We sure. can't. Um, so his AEW celebration of life, that that was his funeral. Damn. Um, the, the outpouring of love from the wrestling community has been unreal. Um, right. The amount of people from every corner of the wrestling world have reached out to me and had their stories about John and... All of that is—it's been kind of breathtaking um to hear these stories and hear hear how he touched people. And I would have loved to have done a funeral, but I sure. just I can't I can't risk anybody else's health.
1: Mm-hmm. So I understand that
2: the AEW show that was put on that was his send off and that was his funeral and that was our way of saying goodbye to him. Um And I thought it was
0: it was a beautiful tribute. Yeah. It was
2: so beautiful, and that was actually. I, I cried the, the day he passed when I saw the nurses, actually. Mm-hmm. And I didn't cry at all, all day, at at TV. Yeah. was fine. And uh, Jess had actually texted me the night before, and she's like, hey, I finished the tribute video. Do you want to watch it? Oh,
0: no. And I said, no,
2: I'm good. I said, I trust you.
0: Mm-hmm. Jess and does great work.
2: Yeah. So then, um, <laughs> standing in the ring... And watching that tribute was the first time I watched it. Yeah. And I don't know if it was actually ever shown, but I broke. I yeah. completely stabbed. Yeah. And I walked in the back and I saw Jess and I was like, you can go fuck yourself.
1: Jess! <laughs> 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 and
2: she was like, wait, are you mad? And I was like, no. It was, it was perfect. It was perfect and yeah. beautiful. And seriously, you can go fuck yourself because like I just can't. <laughs> like, what is wrong with you? Well, yeah.
0: That's where but, we got to end it. <laughs> yeah.
2: But it was beautiful and the tributes and... Just the way AEW's come for my family, and there's so much that people, you know, haven't seen behind the scenes of what AEW has done for my family, and done for me, and done for my son. And they've let Brody kind of run wild.
0: Yeah, he and runs this place now. It yeah.
2: makes me like he's
0: booking shows. He's like booking <laughs> exactly. matches. Yeah. He's
2: going wild. I told Tony, I was like, "You've you've created a monster." Mm. Yeah, and it, I, I get really, really. F- fucking angry if I see anybody who's like, oh, they're exploiting the family. Yeah. No, they're going above and beyond to let an eight-year-old live his favorite thing in the world and have his connection with his dad. Because yeah. I promise you, if Brody didn't want to do this, if he decided tomorrow he hated wrestling, we'd walk away. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, this is nothing It, you know, the the Con, all AEW and the Con family, they're not paying me to say these nice things. You it's asked just, to be here today. Exact, I, and I wanted to clarify and I wanted to answer questions and I'd love to do this again and tell funny stories and tell good stories. <laughs> not just not depressing shit. <laughs> the most depressing podcast of all time. Right. Can I get an award? Like, do, Can we get a podcast award? We'll for do podcast most, awards. Most depressing podcast of all time. We right? absolutely yeah. will. So. You're
0: front runner. Hell yeah. Okay.
1: You have two wonderful boys. <laughs> oh, very and much. It's, so. it's a testament to you and John as parents. Oh, wonderful. Really 100%. And we, we thank you for your story. And you know, all of us here love you Aww. and love the family. <laughs> and and uh, we want you to come back. Please down the road. Please bring negative one with you. Oh
2: God!
0: He actually up. asked me to be on the podcast today. Yeah. Did he? And I yeah. said, I don't know. He goes, What if I do it with ten? I said, oh, Okay, because ten can't carry it himself. <laughs> but with negative yeah, he one, he can't put
1: two words together. Right,
0: right. Because like, he he told me he covered his ears and said it's cause he went to a bad college. <laughs> so I he said, Yes, I will gladly have both uh, of you on the podcast.
1: <laughs> we're just kidding, Vance. We love you. He went to you can't to with university. three words. Oh, fun.
2: College. Yeah, that's right.
1: A reminder that you can uh, get our AEW Unrestricted podcast wherever you get your podcasts for free. And don't forget to watch the YouTube version as well. And when is Dynamite? Dynamite is Wednesdays,
0: 8 o'clock, 7 central on TNT.
1: Amanda, thanks again. We love you. Thank you you so much. Thanks for your time. Thanks for being with us on AEW Unrestricted.
0: Bye.